0: Would you join me in the book of Numbers this morning? The book of Numbers. I have so much enjoyed our study of the book of Numbers, but I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed preparing for the message today. There is just a passage of Scripture here that is just so full and so overflowing with the gospel of God's free grace in Christ. And we're in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, and we're going to be dealing with the last few verses of this chapter, beginning with verse 22. Now, just a very quick recap. God is in charge of these people's deliverance. Remember what happened in Exodus? He was in charge of their deliverance. He set them free out of... Egyptian servitude. And God is in charge of their location. He put them where he wanted them to construct the tabernacle, but he also put them around the tabernacle exactly where he decreed and purposed that they would be. So he's in charge of our deliverance and he's in charge of our location. God is in charge of their separation. Those that had leprosy or an issue or had touched a dead body were to be put out of the camp and so it is God has that special place for sinners out of the camp with Christ Jesus the Lord and he triumphantly was victorious over all their issues and now we have God is in charge of their blessings This whole section, this section, there is a sevenfold blessing. We're not going to say there's seven blessings here, but it's a sevenfold blessing. It's much like God. God is one God, He's not three gods. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but there is one God. And we find that that is something we cannot explain, and it's incumbent upon us not to try to explain it. But God's people will simply believe it. They believe that God is God and he is given to us through the scriptures as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they all had their very important and unable by human beings part in the covenant of grace. The Father chose a people in Christ before the foundation of the world. The Son voluntarily said, I will ransom them. They're sinners, and I will ransom them. I'll pay the full ransom price. And the Holy Spirit, in covenant mercy, said, I will go find them wherever they are, and I'll bring the gospel to them through the preaching of a faithful minister, and they will hear it, and by God's mercy, he regenerates them, and they believe it. Well, here we find in these blessings that are mentioned here, the blessing, all the blessings that God gives are not conditional. They're not conditional upon anything done by the church or by an individual. Every blessing listed in here is unconditional blessings. We cannot buy blessings. God's blessings are not for sale. There's nowhere in the marketplace to buy God's blessings. Religion has attempted over many centuries to buy the blessings of God and to sell the blessings of God, but God's blessings are sovereign and sovereignly given, and He gives them to whomsoever He wills. God's blessings are not earned. We do not earn the blessings of God. Religion tells us that that's how we get them that we become good, we turn over a leaf, we uh, accept Jesus, we go forward, we sign a card. But the blessings of God are not earned. They are given by God, and they're given by God alone. God's blessings are for His children and without merit of any kind involved. These blessings that we find in this passage of Scripture, they are for His children, and they are without merit of any kind involved. There is no purchase power that we have to get these blessings. We might consider this passage as the great standard for blessings to God's people. We're going to find this throughout the scriptures. This principles, These principles that are laid down here, we'll find them throughout the scriptures. Sometimes I have found it almost necessary to rip out those pages in the middle there that separate the Old Testament from the New Testament. I remember watching a film. One time about a teacher that told his students to rip out the front pages of a poetry book because they made poetry mechanical, and poetry is not mechanical. Poetry is heartfelt. Sometimes we need to do that with those pages that people put in between the Old Testament and the New Testament because the Old Testament declares the grace of God as much as the New Testament because there's not two forms of salvation brought out. Old Testament and the New Testament. It is all by the grace of God. There is a sevenfold blessing in these verses. And we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit blessing the people of Jehovah. There is nothing like being blessed and not having any reason to be blessed. Have you ever got something from somebody and you had no reason in this world to get that from somebody? They weren't related to you? You owe, you didn't owe them anything, and they blessed you with something anyway. That is a real blessing that God gives to His people. You don't deserve any of what I'm giving to you, and the people realize that they don't believe uh, should not be blessed, but God blesses anyway. What a blessing that is! Now, verse twenty-two. Let's look here at the book of Numbers. Chapter 6 and verse 22, and read down through, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, The Lord, Jehovah, spoke to Moses. Moses is in charge. Now the message is to Moses to give to someone else. Now that's just the way God does his business. He gives his message to a messenger, and his message is to be given directly to someone else. We are just reporters. That's all a minister of the gospel is. That's all a teacher of the gospel is. That is all we have. The responsibility placed upon everybody in the church is just to be a reporter. Don't add to it. Don't take from it. And don't make it different than what the scriptures declare it is. It is God's free and sovereign gift to people and we cannot impose it upon people we cannot educate people into it we cannot bring them to a place where they'll understand it that is god's business and he's the only one that can do that and then it says in verse 23 speak unto aaron moses i'm giving you the message you speak to aaron and his sons Say On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them. Now, Aaron and the other priests don't have anything to do with these blessings except delivering them. A priest cannot give a blessing. A preacher cannot give a blessing. The only thing that we can do is declare the blessing that God has already said he's going to give that's our part. I can't bless you. I can't bless anybody. God alone can do that. It says now, here it is, verse 24. This is the message. This is the blessing. This is the Lord's blessing. This is Jehovah's blessing to these people. Israel is so often a type of the church And these blessings are brought out through the rest of the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, that these blessings are to the church. And we find out, well, God really got angry with some of Israel in the Old Testament. Yes, just like he will with people on the left-hand side at that day. He's very angry with them. Why? Because their sins are not paid for. That's why God's angry. Those people, even here in the book of Numbers, we're going to run into a guy by the name of Korah that went down into the pit. The earth opened up and swallowed his entire family. God was angry with them. Why? Their sins were not paid for. Now, he's not going to be angry with his people. He will be angry with his people only in Christ, and he's going to pay the full brunt payment for them, but he is not angry with his people ever. Let's find that out. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Oh, my. The Lord bless thee. This word bless, the Lord does that which is good for you. That's what that word means. The Lord does that which is good for you and gives that which you cannot by nature deserve. That's what he's talking about here. I was mentioning in the, uh, the study this morning, you know, in the original language, when, when Moses and then Aaron and his sons were delivering this message to those children of Israel in whatever language they were speaking, Hebrew, okay. They understood the tenses of the verb. They understood the meaning of the words. They understood what was being brought to them from a heartfelt position, I mean a headfelt position at least. They understood when he used this word bless, it is not them earning a blessing. It is God giving a blessing only because he wants to. They understood that part. Now whether they understood it in their heart, that is the work of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of regeneration. But this word blessing here, This word blessing are the things of God. Grace means an intentional. I like this about grace. When we talk about blessing, when we talk about bless, God bless you, as we read there in verse 24, the Lord bless thee. This is all dependent upon grace. And this grace that we find throughout the scriptures is an intentional an intensive and a deliberate act. Grace is not just... Like that and hope it falls on somebody. Grace is an intentional act of God. It's an intensive act of God. It accomplishes its purpose. And we find it is a deliberate act of God. God of forethought. Blesses his people. God in eternity determined to bless his people for Christ's sake. God blesses his people today for Christ's sake. It is often hard. And I went through this and it came to my mind as I went through there that I I was saved but I had grave clothes on me and some of the grave clothes that I had on me when the Lord saved me was I had been brought up in a religion and almost every religion I can read about or hear about or study about has this very thing in it that God is an angry God. And he has a stick in his hand. And he's just waiting for us to step over the line so he can thump us with it. Well, that is so contrary to scriptures. That is so contrary to the word of God. That is so contrary to God's purpose of grace. He is not an angry God if he has taken care of your sin on the cross. He was angry with his son. He poured out his wrath upon his son. So he will not pour out his wrath upon his people. We're going to find out in this passage of scripture that God is a happy God with his people. He is pleased with his people. He is gracious to his people for one purpose, and that is for Christ's sake. He has taken all the anger. He's taken all the punishment. And God is not going to extract it from his people. When he punished people in the Old Testament, particularly as we find out in punishing in anger, those people were not his people. They died in unbelief, it tells us in the book of Hebrews. They were not his people. Not all Israel is of Israel, is what the Apostle Paul brought out. To hear of a God Almighty that is not angry with his people all the time is a strange thing to hear, and yet that's the message of the gospel. All of that wrath, all of that anger was put upon him. And now we're going to find out just because he uses this term here in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. The Lord blessed thee. He says, I've already taken care of the anger part and I'm happy with you. I'm pleased with you. I'm thankful for you. He's going to go on and share with us. He's going to let his, his face shine upon us. As it brings out, happy he's happy with his children all the time because he has put away sin forever. He allows natural things to take place, but he's not angry with his people over sin. Jeremiah chapter 32. We heard this read. I want to read one verse out of that that Brother uh, Craig read. In Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 40, we find these wonderful words that God spoke spoke them to Israel here, but to the church in particular. Boy, there's a whole bunch of Israels. It's not going to be of Israel. There's a whole bunch of national Israel that's going to be on the left-hand side. That's just what we find in the Scriptures. The mercy and grace of God was towards the church from eternity, and there are going to be Jews and Gentiles that make up the church. Here in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 13, Uh, 32 and verse 40 the scriptures share this so invaluable so important to the people and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good but I will put my fear or my respect in their hearts and they shall not depart from me oh what a message God has to the church that I have you in my heart. I have you as an apple of my eye. I have you, and it's an everlasting covenant, and I'll not turn away from you. From them to do them good. I will do them good and good and good and good and good. The Lord bless thee. More than just, well, I hope a drip falls on me. Let there be showers of blessings and maybe one will fall on me. Well, this is more than just a little bitty rainstorm that we get in Eastern Oregon. This is a deluge. This is God's grace upon his people. The Lord bless thee. And then it tells us there in verse 24, and the Lord keep thee. The Lord keep thee. Believers, the children of God cannot keep themselves. I use a, a term often about, I'll be with you in just a moment. You ever looked up where that word came from and what it means. It, it's a, it's a uh, old medieval term that means ninety seconds. <laughs> I'll be with you in ninety seconds. Well, sometimes my moments are longer than that. But have you forever ever a moment ninety seconds gone without sinning. No. So we need someone to keep us. We need someone bigger than us to keep us. We need God to keep us. And that's His promise of exactly what He will do. Believers, the children of God, cannot keep themselves They cannot keep themselves for a second. They fool themselves if they think they can. But we are kept by God. We are kept. The Lord keep thee. That's the message that Moses was given to the preachers to share with the people. And no wonder we find over there in the book of Isaiah, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. We find out not only does he bless us on purpose and for our good because we can't bless ourselves, but he also shares with us, I'll keep thee, the Lord keep thee. That's God's business on the behalf of the church. That's what Jesus Christ shared during his own ministry when he said, I have kept all that thou hast given me. I have lost none of them. When he went to the cross, I've lost none of them. They're all in my mind, in my heart. They're all in my outstretched arms. They're all in my feet. They are everything that I'm doing, all that my hands could do, all my feet can do, are for my people to keep them. To keep them safe. I'll pay the very last farthing for all their sins. I'll put them as far as the east is from the west. And I will keep them for eternity. Turn with me if you would to the book of John chapter 6. In John chapter 6 and there in verse 37. John chapter 6 and verse 37. How often we've been in this book of John. But how often have we been in the New Testament and Old Testament. It's just where we find God's word that declares, I will bless thee, I will keep thee. And here it says in John chapter 6 and verse 37 and verse 38. John chapter uh, 6 verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I'll never fall at fault with them because I will take care of their sin issue. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but him that sent me. This is the covenant of grace being drawn out. This is the covenant of grace being declared. This is the covenant of grace from eternity past to eternity future. The Lord bless thee. Be grace to you. The Lord keep thee. Turn with me to John 17 and verse 12. John chapter 17 and verse 12. We read these words about this wonderful subject of being kept. We cannot keep ourselves. We can't keep ourselves for a second. We can't keep ourselves for a millisecond, a nanosecond. We're unable. It's just not in us to do that. But we have someone who has, in the covenant of grace, determined to do that on our behalf. Though we fall, we shall not be utterly cast down. We do things that are contrary to God's word and contrary to God every day. And yet he says, the Lord bless thee, the Lord keep thee. I am in charge of this too. John chapter 17 and verse verse 12, the scripture shares this, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those uh, Those that thou gavest me I have kept and none of them is lost. But there's one guy that is. Why? He's on the left hand side. He is not mine to begin with. The son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And in the book of Second Peter, travel with me through this section of Scripture to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 as we find again the Lord keep thee. Bless the Lord bless thee, the Lord keep thee. It is the Lord's business. Jehovah, that's what that word over there in the book of Numbers is. Jehovah, Jehovah, keep thee. The Jehovah, bless thee. Jehovah, keep thee. And that's his job for our benefit out of the covenant of grace. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the scripture says, According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him, That we've been called to this life and that we have not, we're kept by the power of God. We have this wonderful uh, gift given to us. It is not ours that we have by nature, but it is ours because God has provided it. You know, everything that is required, God provides. We have nothing of ourselves. Well, the Lord is thy keeper, we find in the book of the Psalms. Let's go back over to the book of Numbers, chapter 6 there, and it tells us there in verse 25. Numbers, Chapter 6 and verse 25, we add in verse 24, the Lord blessed thee, gracious is he, intentionally gracious, greater graciousness than we can ever think about. And the Lord keep thee. That's his job, his business in the covenant of grace is to keep all that were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Here in verse 25, we read these, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee. The Lord's blessings here refers to the blessings of God in continual presence with his people. He is with his people on a continuous basis. As it says there, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. How... How good it is. Let me back up one time. I used to work with a teacher that went to a ball game, baseball game. He loved baseball. And he had a picture of the great big screen that they used to have. And the camera was on he and his son on that great big screen. And he took a picture of it. You know, most people that were in that stand had no idea who in the world this was. But that dad, when he saw his son on that great screen, knew exactly who he is. Now that's the way God is with his people. To most people, they're just nefarious people. Strange. Odd. Out of sorts. They don't agree with us But when it comes to God, he sees us for what we are in Christ Jesus. It is God that sees us there. He makes his face to shine upon thee. The word shine alludes to the dawn when the sun breaks forth. The other day I got to see the sunrise. Just as it came over the mountains here in the east, just broke through clouds above, Fog below, came right through there. What a glorious sight. And that is what this is alluding to. How glorious are the sunrises, and yet God says how glorious it is for you to see my face. My face in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, you and I have never seen him physically. But in grace, we get to see Him daily. In grace, we see Him in all of His attributes and in all of His glory. The word shine alludes to that dawn that breaks through. It is the effect of the Word of God on your hearts of the people to see the glory of God found in the Scriptures Even in the night seasons, we find in the Psalms, Psalm 16, verse 7, even in the night seasons, he breaks forth with his glorious sunrise on our behalf. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, and it's a smiley face, using every bit of reverence I can give to it. It is a face that he is pleased with, with His people, because of Christ Jesus, His Son. Unto us a light that shines in a dark place. You know, we live in pretty, pretty much darkness. I mean, the sun may be up, but it's still a dark place. When the Lord came down to this earth, he, he was living in a dark place. He could look around Him, and He's the only one that could look around Him and see all the lost people. And every once in a while, he'd see his face shining
1: in the glorious,
0: regenerative work of of the Holy Spirit in somebody. Those are the ones he called to himself. Matthew, follow me. John, follow me. And what did they do? They came to the face of God. The glorious, glorious face. Now, a little farther in that, it says, in verse 25 of Numbers chapter 6, it says, The Lord be gracious unto thee. Again, he repeats himself. Aren't you thankful? He repeats himself. He shares with us again, The Lord be gracious to thee. The Lord be gracious unto thee. A believer walks by faith and must acknowledge that the faith is by grace. We walk by faith and not by sight, but that faith is a gracious act that God has given to us that we can even believe that we walk by faith. We have no merit whereby we should deserve anything from God, but death. That is what we truly deserve. I want what I deserve. (laughs) We're a weak and needy people, but we sure don't want what we deserve. We have no merit whereby we should deserve anything from God. God pours out his abundantly which we cannot ever deserve, and that is grace and grace alone. Remember those words found over in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. We could go back and say, Grace is a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. When it is merit, we boast. When it is works, we boast. We don't have to be around religious people very long before they're boasting in their religion and tell us all the good things that they have to do. I've shared with you one time that my barber found out that I was a pastor. And she said, you've never told me that. And I said, you're going to change your attitude towards me since that." Oh, no, I won't. And the next thing she's doing, how she saves the cats in the community and how she's beneficial to all the people in the community. And I said, I don't, that's not what we want to hear. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's how gracious he is. He's already set our steps out. He's already set the plan out. He's already set the purpose out to walk in Him. We'll not walk uh, in Him alone. We walk in Him because He walks by us. Isn't it interesting that sometimes we grab our grandchildren's hand or our children's hand and they're tugging and tugging and pulling all over but they're just going with us. (laughs) We're going to make sure of that. Thank God for God. Because He makes sure of that. He makes sure that his grace is sufficient. He makes sure that he's gracious to his people. As it tells us over there, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. How gracious the. Lord. And then it says in the next verse over there in the book of numbers, "And the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. Just think about that for a moment. The Lord lift up his countenance. This blessing is intended again. This is the message that was given to Moses, and Moses delivered this to the preacher. You just remind the people that everything they have is from God. Everything they have is from God. They they are not supplying anything. I took them out. I delivered them from bondage. I brought them across the Red Sea. I brought them here. I've told them exactly where to put their tents. (laughs) This is God. And I've already told them who's to go on the outside and who's to stay on the inside. And now I'm going to tell them again, the Lord bless thee. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance. The countenance is simply a smiling face. Oh, I used to walk in the house. Loved to walk in the house when mom was in a good mood. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Used to love to walk in the house when dad was in a good mood. Had a smiling face. Well, when we walk into the presence of God, it doesn't matter under what or any conditions, we're going to meet a smiling face because he poured all his righteous indignation upon his son, or he didn't. He caused his son to pay completely and totally for all our sin, or he didn't. Now, if he did, he's smiling. And if he didn't, We're in the wrong line. Don't try to crowd in on the right hand side. If he didn't pay for all sin, then you're in the wrong line. Look with me in the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. He is a smiling God. I didn't know this in religion. I was constantly told, you're going to have to pay for that. Someone went somewhere they shouldn't. They did something they shouldn't. They played with something they shouldn't. They did something they shouldn't. You're going to have to answer for that. And the preacher that said that did not understand grace. Because either Christ paid for it all, or he paid for none of it. And if he paid for it all, this is what we read about. First Timothy chapter 1. And people would say, oh, that's going to give me a license to sin. It better not. If you're going to be like the folks that said, if I believe that, I'll just go do... First Timothy chapter 1 verse 11. The scriptures share this. According to the... Glorious gospel of the blessed God. You know that word blessed there in that particular place means happy? The blessed or happy God which was committed to my trust. The gospel is declaring that God is happy with all his people because Christ paid for all their sin. This is a good message. It's a great message to know that we can approach God in his greatest time of happiness and joy and love and mercy because he's taken it out on his son. His son either paid for all or he didn't pay for any. And if he paid for all, it tells us here, according to the glorious gospel of the happy God, blessed God, which was committed to my ministry, my trust. So we have this great, glorious God. Now, we say, well, I continue to sin. We're the ones that feel bad about it. Yes, we do sin. Every day we sin. We're called on to confess those sins before God. Pray, thank God for deliverance. But if we miss one and we didn't get it confessed, God's not going to come up to you and say, well, you went over the line. i got to beat you. Blessed means happy. He is happy with the Son and His Son's substitutionary death. He's very happy with His Son. His Son did exactly what was covenant in the covenant of grace, took care of sin at the cross for time and for eternity. He is happy that redemption is complete. Paid for in full for all those before the cross, all those after the cross, all those that he chose in Christ before the foundation of the world. The cross took care of all the issues. And now God is a blessed God, a smiling God towards people. And that's what the ministry of those priests was to do when they assembled the children of Israel together. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord let his face shine upon thee. That's only to the church. Only the blessings to the church. This is not a conditional blessing, but an intentional, intensive, and continual blessing. God ever smiles at His people. His children have found grace in His eyes. His children are righteous in His sight. And His children's sins and iniquities He will remember no more because they are paid for. And then, back there in the book of Numbers, chapter 6 and verse 26, we find these wonderful words about God's everlasting ministry to the church. It says there, The Lord lift up His countenance upon thee and give thee peace. To the believer in every age, the world has gone mad. Can you think of... Abel, as he looked around him and his brother had a club in his hand, the world has gone wild. The, God, the world has gone mad and killed him. In Noah's age, Noah could say, the world has gone mad. Look at this. He would not have known it if God had not instructed him in grace. Jeremiah's age. My goodness, read the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. As he looked out upon Israel, God's chosen nation, where the favored nation's status wasn't here, these people were corrupt to the heart. Can an Ethiopian change his skin? Can, can ye that are accustomed to do evil do good? Jeremiah's weeping over Israel. The apostles' age. You know, apparently every one of them but one, John, the writer of the book of Revelation, was martyred. The world went mad. In the Middle Ages, my goodness, the world was mad. And in our age, the world has gone mad. Nothing has changed. Just different people dressed differently, speaking different languages maybe, but how great it is The great God is in the business of giving peace when the world has gone mad. The book of Philippians, chapter 4, would you join me there in the book of Philippians, chapter 4? That is the Lord's blessing to his people. The Lord, give thee peace. When the world has gone mad, the world, give thee peace. Philippians, chapter 4, verse 7. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 in this passage of Scripture explains it a little bit. It it is peace that passeth all understanding by the world. How can they be calm in such a storm? Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, the Scriptures share this, And the God of peace, which passeth all understanding... He's the God that passeth all understanding. And the God of peace, that peace is without understanding. We just can't put our finger on it. It's God's gift to His people. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Come what may, He will keep His people, their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace that passeth all understanding Oh, to know the truth of the gospel. Christ has made peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we also find out He's made peace through the blood of the cross. He made peace. Now He says, my peace I give you. What a generous God that would give us all peace, all grace, all mercy, all the very person of christ jesus to us god that smiles upon his people and he doesn't carry a stick around ready to beat us at the first time we cross the line but he is thankful for us in christ jesus all my children shall be gathered together all my people will be one they will be brought into one fold they will not be scattered but will be brought into one fold God has signed his name in all the blessings to his people. One quick passage over here. Numbers chapter 6 verse 27. And then we have a a verse to read here in the book of Romans. But in the book of of, uh, Numbers chapter 6 verse 27. I fully intended to get an illustration for this. In my office I have a number of coffee cups. My granddaughter told me one time. Granddad, you have many coffee cups. And there are places I've been and things I, you know, it's my remembering stick. Well, I have a coffee cup up there and I was going to get it down, but I didn't get a chair so I could reach it. It was a coffee cup given to me by my daughter. She made it in pottery class. You know, the most cherished part of that whole thing is what we're going to read about here. Just a moment. Numbers chapter 6 verse 27 And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. Now, in the book of Romans chapter 9, we have this coffee cup mentioned. Romans chapter 9. On the bottom of that coffee cup is something very important. And if you buy quality pottery, there's going to be something on the bottom of that pottery. The name. On the bottom of that cup is my daughter's name. Means a lot. Means more than that coffee cup does. Well, read this with me. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. God has signed his name on his people. Romans chapter 9, verse 21. The scriptures share this Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another to dishonor? Now that's his business. Don't argue with God about that. Don't say it's unfair. That's just God. He's done his business. Don't say I don't believe it. That means we're unbelievers. But God said that. He said over here in the book of Numbers, and they shall shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. Over here, Romans chapter 9, verse 22. It says, What if God, willing to make his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, that he might make known the riches of the glory of the vessels of mercy, which he hath before prepared unto glory. Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Did you know that we find in Scripture that he has put his name on us? We have been given his name. It's been written on us. His pottery has His name on us. On it. God knows the name. Over there in the book of Jeremiah it says this is the name that they shall be known by. The Lord, our righteousness. So God has taken every one of His vessels of honor, flipped them up on the bottom, wrote His name on them, said they are a mine. They can be identified anywhere in the world as mine and so as the as moses told the preachers this is what you're to say the lord bless thee and keep thee the lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee the lord did it all and lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Amen.